We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ray Danger, Glenn Mack now. Sunday morning, 94 WIP. Delighted to be joined now by our friend Todd Zalecki, MLB.com. Follow him on Twitter at Todd Zalecki. Easy enough. Uh, Todd, I hope you're enjoying uh, Florida. I hope the weather is working out nicely for you. Yeah, the weather is perfect today. It's probably in the 80s, sunny, great great day for spring training. So have you yet talked to general manager Bryce Harper about what he plans <laughs> as his next move? No, I, I have not. I have not, but certainly he he got kind of what he wanted and then some. You know, he I'm talking to him on Monday, the first day of camp, of course, he said that he was hoping to get one of those three guys and Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, and Kyle Schwarber. They get, they get Kyle Schwarber, and he says, well, I hope we're not done. I believe him, though, when he says I, I wasn't thinking about, you know, another big move. Uh, but mm-hmm. the Phillies mm-hmm. kind of had to change your heart with the luxury tax, and, and now I got two of those three guys, which is pretty pretty incredible, pretty hard to believe. So but before we talk about the specific moves, let, let me ask you, and I, and I know that Marcus Hayes wrote a, a column about this this week, um, and I said it kind of jokingly, but seriously, how much power does Harper wield within the organization? He signed a what, what ten year, three hundred million dollar contract. I don't remember the specifics, but something along that nature mm-hmm. to come here and obviously didn't do it to finish eighty two and eighty every year. Does right. John Middleton, Dave Dombrowski, do they listen to him when he kind of lobbies for this? You know, I he certainly has some sway, but I don't think it's enough. For him, I, I think it's too much to suggest that, you know, he calls up Dave and John Milton and says, all right, you got Schwarber, you got to go out and get Nick Castellanos as well. I, I, I think he's in their ear like, here's what I think we need, um, here's what I think we should do, here's what I think can help us win. Uh, but in terms of, like, making the final decisions, you know, uh, it, it's not a matter of Bryce going, get me Kyle Schwarber over these other two guys. Okay, Bryce, we'll go out and get Kyle Schwarber. Um, you know, it's not, it's not to that level, but certainly when he comes out publicly and talks about it, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. He's very smart. He knows that people listen to him and he, you know, he knows that he can create some pressure that way, but it's not so much pressure that they're just bowing down and going, okay, oh boy, we were going to kind of pass on these three dudes. So, uh, but now Bryce said something, so now he's got to go out and do something. It's not quite to that level. <laughs> you know, we um, we spent a lot of time, Glenn and I, yesterday talking about um, the fact that, and sort of joking, but only half joking, about the fact that, boy, 
the Phillies are certainly preparing for the year of the DH to come to the NHL <laughs> to come to the National League uh, because they got a roster loaded with DHs. But the problem is, at some point, they got to take the field and they got to catch the ball. Um, how do you see? Because to me, their defense was Todd last year. Their defense was just atrocious. It, it, sure. it, it really was. And one of the things I thought about this offseason is, okay, I, I know they need to get more bat support for Harper. They need more protection from the lineup. I agree with all that. Um, but they got to get better defensively. And to this point, I just I just don't see it. And I mean, are they planning to just win every game fifteen to thirteen this year? I think that's absolutely the plan uh, to outslug everybody because, yeah, their defense has not improved. You know, they hired a new infield coach. They brought back Bobby Dickerson, who's very highly regarded. But there's only so much an infield coach can do. You know, coach can't can't improve your range, so to speak. Um, so they they kind of are who they are. You know, Schwarber, Castellanos, they're they're ranked rated as as below average defenders in the outfield. So I think what the Phillies are hoping on and kind of what they believe is in today's game, good or bad, uh, it's, it's a lot of strikeouts, swing and miss, and, and walks, right? And so they're kind of going in that mindset of, you know, there's not as many balls in play anymore, so maybe we can hide a little bit. They're not going to be able to hide it that much because I still think you're you know, still going to be a bottom third team defensively, which is going to show up at really bad times, of course. Um, so they are going to have to out-hit the other team, out-hit their defensive shortcomings. They are hoping that, starting pitching-wise, they have enough talent there to keep them in games, and, and they are hoping that some of the upgrades that they made to the bullpen will help them be a little bit better in, in late in the game. Todd Zalecki is our guest, uh, beat writer, Phillies beat writer for MLB.com. Follow him on Twitter at Todd Zalecki. Um, I think like a lot of people in Philadelphia, I was very disappointed uh, to learn early this week that they decided, hey, let's get back with the Odubel Herrera thing in center right. field. Um, I don't like him as a player. I mean, I'm, you know, everybody knows of his history off the field, but I've always thought he was a bonehead on the field, and th this is the best they can go back to. I understand that they spent the money elsewhere, but, right. I mean, seriously, another year of Odubel <laughs> Herrera? Yeah, I, you know, I think that was a situation where they looked at upgrades in the outfield. Um, they they were, were interested in Kevin Kiermaier from the Rays, but at his price point and with what the Rays wanted back, they decided that, you know what, this really doesn't make as much sense to us. I, I think more, so they ended up going cheaper route with Odubel rather than spending a little bit of money. The, the free agent options in center field weren't that great. Um, what, what I thought was interesting more than anything, perhaps, is that they came out the first day of camp, Dave Dombrowski, and, says, and said, we love Matt Veerling. Yeah. We think he's going to get a ton of playing time. Hope I, so. I did not. I did not see that. But if he develops like they think he, de he can develop, you know, maybe it's a situation where Dubal really doesn't see the field that much. But in terms of you know, another reason why I think that they brought him back, I think the coaching staff really liked the fact that Odubel, behind the scenes, he was playing on two bad ankles last year, and he would mm. kind of try to fight to play in games. And, hey, you know, sometimes the coaching staff falls in love with a player like that uh, that wants to play through pain, wants to play through injuries, and so I think that helps his cause in terms of uh, their willingness to bring him back. Yeah, you. I'll just Europe. We've seen him long enough. We, we've seen yeah. him a lot more years than Joe Girardi. Are you, do you think there's something there that we're missing? No, no, I, I, I don't. I think I think what they 
I think the only thing you can maybe hang your hat on this year is that, you know, he did not play any games in the big league since May 2019 until last season. And that maybe getting that whole season back, maybe he can be a little bit more productive. Um, the one thing I have told people is, you know, if Odubel Herrera is your number nine hitter and he hits like he hit last season, then you've probably got a pretty good lineup. So that's, yeah, I, that's, I hate him in the field. Well, yeah, no, the defense, yeah, Veerling's, and well, I, I've asked Joe Girardi, like, you know, can Matt Veerling play center field? And he says, yeah, I think he can. He's a big guy, but I think he can run better than people think. Uh, so, yeah, defensively, it, it's an issue. They don't have a guy out there that can really run down ball. Now, one guy I would say maybe late this season, if he makes adjustments as the plate, is this top, one of their top prospects, Johan Rojas. He can flat out run down a fly ball. He can run. He can put the bat on the ball. He's a little bit too, he chases a little bit too many pitches without a strike zone. But I think if he can make those adjustments this season, it's not totally out of the question that you could see him up uh, later this year. I was thinking the same thing uh, because it looks to me like they're going to have plenty of offense. You know, I mean, they're Mm -hmm. going to, they got a lot of guys in the lineup that can hit and they're going to score. They might be able to carry. I mean, I think Rojas is, is probably a ways away from being ready to play in the major leagues offensively. Defensively, there's no, no everyone agrees that he's a, he's going to be a really good defensive player. Right. You know, this might be one of those situations where you're going to have so much power and so much run production at other positions that maybe you can afford to carry uh, a, a guy to play center field who's really out there purely for his defense. I mean, that that's a possibility. The, the Rojas kid, he has an interesting, an interesting backstory. I mean, he came out of a part of, of the Dominican that hardly anybody knows or scouts. Uh, was sort of lightly recruited, and all of a sudden the Phillies bring him in. And right now he's considered among baseball people to be one of the faster risers in the organization. Yeah, and he's a guy that a lot of teams really covet. You know, anytime there's a trade uh, discussion with another team, that team's like, well, how about Johan Rojas? So, I mean, I think that kind of makes the Phillies feel validated in their evaluations of him. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, um, so say this season in, in double-A, triple-A, wherever he starts, and he makes the necessary adjustments, he's hitting the ball pretty well, and the defense, the Phillies' defense is really killing him, uh, maybe he comes up and he can just kind of help out that defense a little bit. And again, like I always go back to, um, you know, and if he's hitting ninth and he's, he's, he's hitting like 230, but he's catching everything as a rookie, that's not the worst thing in the world. I always remember in 2008, uh, Carlos Ruiz, if you look at Carlos Ruiz's numbers in 2008, he was not a good hitter. And I remember everybody killing Charlie Manuel going, call up Blue Mars and Carlos Ruiz, he stinks. And Charlie said the best. He's like, guys, if our biggest problem is our number nine hitter, <laughs> you know, yeah. this yeah. is not the reason why we are or are not going to make the playoffs. Like, Chooch is fine in the ninth spot, and ultimately he was proved correct. Right. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, Ray, you, you talk about Rojas as one prospect, and this is a, a – franchise that has a tough has had a tough time developing prospects the one everybody's watching is bryson stott the young shortstop um tell us he's the one well he could be at some point out i personally think that Didi gregorius is going to going to open the season as the everyday as the opening day shortstop and i say that because he he well, first of all, he's got fourteen million dollars left on his contract, and it's, it's tough just to eat that contract. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, get to the good point. I know. Yeah. I know. Sometimes fans hate to hear that. They're like, "Well, I don't care." It matters if a guy's getting made fourteen million dollars. It definitely matters. Um, Joe Girardi has talked about his track record 
Um, GD says he was not healthy last year. The Philly says he was not healthy last year. They believe that he is healthy now, and that should help him uh, produce at the plate. I think the most likely scenario is GD starts the season at shortstop, unless something crazy happens this spring. And if GD plays well, great. He's the shortstop this season. If D.D. struggles and Bryson Stott is playing the well in, in AAA, then maybe he gets a look in you know mid-May, mid-June along that time. But I think they will give D.D. a shot to kind of either win the position or play himself out of the position. But I do like Stott a lot. Um, he really kind of came on as a hitter last season. And a lot of people question, can he play shortstop? I think he can play shortstop well enough um, to, to, to hold that job down for the Phillies for a while. Yeah, well, in that infield, he'll look like a gold glove anyway. I mean, just just with what's playing on either side of him. But, uh, you know, Dave Dombrowski, I think, sort of made a few jaws drop during his presser last week when he talked about Zach Wheeler uh, and the fact that, um, you know, he used the term tired arm. Um, look, 213 innings is no joke. I mean, and he pitched that last year, and there were some questions being asked about, you know, was he pitching too much and was there going to be a carryover effect? You know, and now there was the idea that he started to throw the ball in the winter and he was starting to, I mean, he just didn't feel right. Um, right. And, you know, I mean, Dave didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Um, and Joe hasn't wanted to make a big deal out of it. But we've all been through this in spring training before where they tell you, oh, you're a race pitcher. It's not a big deal. Don't worry. But sometimes it becomes a big problem. Where do you stand on this? How concerned are you? Well, I, I concerned enough to, to certainly keep a close eye on it this spring. So, so Zach threw a bullpen session, his first bullpen session of the spring, I think on Monday, and he then he, he missed some days with the flu this week. Uh, but he did throw a bullpen session this morning. I watched it. It was a 35 pitch bullpen session, and you know, at no point was he kind of grabbing his shoulders. No indication that he was cutting it short. He walked off the mound. He told us that he feels fine. Um, that he still feels no sh- uh, short, uh, soreness in his shoulder. So he said his, his next couple steps are one more bullpen session in a few days, a live batting pra- practice session a few days after that, and then he hopes to get in a grapefruit league game. And he still believes that you know he could be ready to pitch the first week of the season. I think opening day is out of the question, uh, but maybe that first turn through the rotation. And, and he said, he's like, listen, I would rather pitch if I can only go four innings, I'm only built up to go four innings. I'd rather pitch those four innings for the Phillies than sure. for the Clearwater Threshers or a minor league team. So we'll see what happens. But but any, yeah, anytime a, a, a pitcher mentions a shoulder soreness, it's something that you absolutely have to keep an eye on. So Aaron Nola will get the opening day start, and God, please no more of those O two count moonshots. Like he, did, he did yesterday. You it's got like, one yesterday. I know. It's yeah. like it's like oh, we're back to last year. Uh, last one for me, Todd. Give me your opening day batting order. Oh boy. Okay, I, I've thought a lot about this. Um, I'm going to say Kyle Schwarber is your leadoff hitter on opening mm-hmm. day. He did a great, tremendous job last season with the Nats and the Red Sox in that spot. I'm going to say JT Realmuto is hitting second, Harper third, Nick Castellanos fourth, Reese Hoskins fifth, Didi Gregorius to kind of break up, give a little more balance. He hits sixth, Gene Segura seventh, Alec Bohm eighth, and then Matt Veerling is your opening day center fielder uh, hitting ninth. Right, that lineup's going to score six runs a game, right? Yeah, it is. And, um, and <laughs> that's <laughs> and give them up. Yeah, no question. No, no question. Is, uh, is there any thought? I I I know Castellanos has played some third base in the past, and you know not long and probably not that well. But I mean, is, is there any? I mean, Bohm, Todd, 
Bumgarner, he can't play third base. He just can't. He's not. He, you know, I mean, I, I guess it this seems. A, to, uh, Todd, this is a pet issue of race. It seems. It seems. No, to, no. It seems to be. Well, you know the the, the the name I gave he and Hoskins last year. I, I called them the corner butchers. Is what well, I is what I called them. And I I think we're trending towards the same thing again. Uh, is that kind of where this where this is right now? Right now that Bohm looks like the third baseman. And is there another option out there anywhere? Well, Bohm looks like the third baseman. I, I will say this: I, Bobby Dickerson is a really good infield coach, so they hope they can make him a little bit better. Um, but I thought it was interesting that the Phillies told Didi Gregorius at the end of the season, "Be prepared to play some third base." So in the in the Instance or the situation if the situation presents itself where Alex is really struggling at third base again, and Bryson's playing well and Didi's playing well, maybe you see Didi Gregorius play some third base. But in terms of Castellanos at third, I think it's possible you could see him over there, like maybe for a game or two. But I don't think it's a situation where you know maybe maybe Joe Girardi will tell us in the next couple of days that that's a possibility. But I, I think it's more likely that he's a corner outfielder DH type along with Kyle Schwarber. Okay. Todd Zalecki, it is always a pleasure. Uh, always enjoy reading you, talking uh, with you, and uh, hope to see you at the ballpark this year, huh? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. <laughs> all right, man. Be well. Oh, all right, Todd. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, Alec Boehm. Jeez. <laughs> you, know, you, know, I, you know what? I never thought I would see a third baseman worse than Corbin Burnson, but I think, but I think, but I think we got him. <laughs> uh, I, I love when you get going on that. I, oh. Uh, and that, by the way, it was one of the great nicknames of all time when you did that with with he and Hoskins at first. It was great. <laughs> I can't, but I can't believe here we are a year later and we're looking at the same thing again. I know, I know. I'm just hey man, I'm excited. It's, it's baseball's coming. Yeah, I mean the DH thing is going to give them an out. I mean, worst comes to worst, they'll just DH him or they'll put him at first base. Well, but you Hoskins said Castellanos, DH. who's uh, he was he was really bad at third base. I, I don't know who's what, worse. This guy's good. No, I, nobody's good. No, I, I don't know that it. I don't know that you have a viable alternative. That's the problem. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if listen, if 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 the kid shortstop comes up and 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 maybe he can actually be the guy, then maybe you do kick DD over to third base. I yeah, mean, that'd that be that good. that could be that could be how this whole thing shakes out. That's it. I just Wouldn't don't know. Nice? I just don't know. You're going to go wire to wire with those two guys on the corner. I just yeah, don't. You, one of the prospects comes up and actually can play. That'd be great. Be hey, we didn't get to talking about the bullpen, boy. Another adventure. <laughs> That's the next phone call. Yeah, okay. Always appreciate Todd. Uh, let's get uh, Peter in media here. I believe he wants to talk about yesterday's Tell Us Your Story guest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Coach Dunphy. And i got to give you guys a ton of credit, too, because um, I, I used to work for Coach Dunphy at Penn uh, from 98 to 2000, so just a couple of years, I, although I had known him for many years before that and worked at camp. And a bunch of my buddies were, were contacting me. I was already listening to you, but they're like, hey, hey, Coach Dumpy's coming, Coach this. I said, I know, I know, I'm listening. Um, but I want to tell you two quick stories uh, that, that touch on uh, some of the topics he covered. So at one, so my role, and I was basically the office administrator, and I, I used to do uh, scheduling uh, as part of my responsibilities. And so we get this fax from Duke University that they wanted to, to, to play us. And essentially the offer was that we would play down at the, it wasn't the Spectrum or maybe it was Core States or I, I don't remember what it was named at that point, but it was the stadium down there was not the Palestra. Uh, we were going to split the gate. We were going to just play one, one time. It was, it was all these different circumstances, which, which I guess Coach Dumpy didn't like. So I, I, I bring the facts to him. I said, hey, I said, hey, I said Coach Dumpy, you know, the Duke wants to, wants to play us. And I, I'm kind of excited. I'm like, all right, this, mm-hmm. this is good. This is what Penn does. You know, we, we don't just play you know, uh, you know, weakling schools, we, we go after the big guys. 
Dumpf looks at the, the facts, and he, he and, I, and I knew he was teammates with Coach Krzyzewski at, at Army. He looks at reads it over, and he says, uh, and, I'll, and I'll clean it up for you guys, but he said, uh, listen, uh, <clears throat> tell Mike to go F himself. And I was in shock, because this is Mike Krzyzewski, you yeah. know, national winning coach and, and Olympic assistant. And all this. I'm like, uh, Coach, I can't say that. He goes, yeah, 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 tell him that, tell him that. And he said, you know, Playing down at the at the at the the core states is a home game for them. You know we're going to play a home and home, not just one time. We're not yeah. we're not just not ex- and his whole point was, look, we might be a small school, but don't treat me like I'm small. And nice. I thought that was that, that to me was such a great lesson. That was that was pure classic dump to, to have that attitude. Like you know, I'm I'm no lesser than anybody else. I like it, that's, um, that's Pete. Really I got I got to hit a break, but I appreciate that story. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good. It sounds it sounds very much it sounds very much like dump. I thought it was a really good interview. I. You know, the Big Five means a lot to me. I kind of grew up with it, and Dunf represents everything. I mean, he was a, he was a great player. People don't underestimate people underestimate what a good player he was. And then he goes on to win more games as a coach than anybody in the history of the Big Five. He's uh, he's a big part of this. He's a big part of the sports culture of this city for sure. Hey Ray, how about um, today NCAA? Uh, I think it's. I'm just looking for time. Yeah, two forty start. Nova versus Ohio State. Right. 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 Winner, I know, I know where you're going. Plays Michigan, Michigan, and Phil Martelli. I thought I was looking at that, and I thought, how cool is this? That yes. if, if Villanova wins today, if they beat the Buckeyes, then the next game in the tournament will be <laughs> Phil Martelli against against Jay Wright. Right. We, we don't care about Juwan Howard. Never no, 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 no. We don't. We're not going to worry about him. <laughs> but Villanova, Michigan, that would be. I was looking at that. I was looking at the brackets. And I thought, how cool would that be if that turned out to be? And you know what? I think it will. It's gonna. Oh yeah, Phil getting a lot of camera time too. Yeah. I mean, listen, he did a really good job. I mean, when uh, he, he when, did when yeah, he, he stepped in and coached uh, those like they they won all of those games. It helped him get into the postseason. I texted him a congratulations yesterday. He got right back to me. He's very excited about it. He, he likes he likes these kids. He likes that program. He's 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 away from home, which he's not delighted about. Right. But I think he being having the opportunity. To coat to be part of that program with everything that it has, uh, after all the years, you know. Hey, listen, did a great job at St. Joe's. St. Joe's a small program. I think he kind of enjoys the the luxuries they didn't didn't have back then. No question. And when Howard got suspended, they didn't have to look far for the guy that was going to take no. over. I mean, was, Phil stepped yeah. in there and and they won some big games. They won a couple of big games on the road. I mean, yep. he Phil can coach. Phil yes, can really can. coach. Yep. 215-592-9494. I see we got a couple people want to talk about Eagles draft. We'll do that. And, uh, yeah, I want to get into the Deshaun Watson thing with you a little bit, Ray. I regard you as an arbiter of moral behavior. So mm-hmm. I want to see what you think about the Cleveland Browns and what they have done. We can talk about that. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack now. It is uh, Sunday. By the way, we're leading you right up to Phillies baseball in a little bit right here on 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.